This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Denise. And I am joined from Fokatani by Moera Karatai. Kira Moera. Kia Sam. How's it going? It's going very well. How was your super weekend? Um, it was super, actually, super relaxing. Uh, and that was about all, oh, really. <laughs> I didn't do anything because I already got the vaccine. And um, Jack can't get his until November, but he's getting it for his birthday present. All he wants is, oh, that's awesome. for my birthday, can I get my vaccine? Yes, you can, son. Thank you, government, for paying for it. <laughs> that's a that's a good thing to have as a birthday present, isn't it? I hadn't thought of it is, yep. people coming into that age group. Of life. Yeah, exactly. And it's potentially the, absolutely the gift of life and good health. So I'm pretty happy about that. And who are we introducing today? It is my absolute great pleasure to introduce my friend coming in from Australia, Shane Salt. Shane is a serial knitter, a dancer, works in the finance uh, finance arena in, um, in the health industry, uh, and is one of the most kind, beautiful people I've ever met in my life. Shane, it is a real joy to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Kia ora. Thank you. That's just beautiful. Bless you. Kia ora, Shane. Where are you, Shane? Uh, Melbourne. Originally Melbourne. from Auckland. Yes. We've been hearing about Melbourne for a long time. You've been in lockdown forever, haven't you? I certainly have been. It's been a challenge and a half. Um, they had good news today that we will be opening up very, very, very shortly, which is a good thing. Um, but yeah, it's been an interesting couple of years. So how has your bubble life been? How's your lockdown life been? Um, well, previous to this, I was working from home two to three days a week anyway. So I was kind of set up for the the onslaught of it all. And um, I had just been to New Zealand for my 50th in February. We got back the end of February and went straight into lockdown. So had I been a week later, I would have been able to stay in New Zealand forever and ever. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, so from there, it was just, you know, get on with what you've been given, basically. Um, But I've been working full time, thankfully, with my job. Um, So that's been a big blessing. So finance here has been considered essential. Is it the same there? Um, it is in regards to because I work for a private health insurance company. So private health insurance has fluctuated, shall we say, with 
people that can and can't afford it, et cetera, due to redundancies, jobs, et cetera. Um, but it's also been a necessity in regards to people trying to keep their health together. I suppose, I mean, I was going to say I suppose. In fact, I did say I suppose. I suppose that the something like a pandemic makes people more aware of their health and thinking about that sort of thing more. Um, I personally know I've taken more notice of my health um, because previously every winter I have had a chest infection every year without fail to a couple of times being close to being hospitalised. With COVID, not being on public transport or out and about, it hasn't happened for the last two years. Yes. Touch wood. No. Yeah, um, as I say, personally, it's made me think about it more because I've noticed things missing in the air quotes. Um, and a lot of people around me have been the same, you know. So how has the... How, how has the sequence gone for, for Melbourne in terms of being in and out of lockdown? You, you went into an initial hard lockdown like we did and whenever it was March last year? Correct. Uh, yeah, beginning of March last year was the first hard lockdown. And um, I think over the last two years, it's been 270-something days we've been in a hard lockdown. Um, so it's been interesting from my perspective because um, I had mental issues to start with prior to this um, and I found it hard at times so I kind of thought well if I'm finding it hard other people out there are finding it even worse so it's really been a roller coaster ride um, but yeah being fairly independent I just put my big boy pants on and got on with what I had to get on with. Has the messaging from the the national or state or, or more local government in Australia, has it paid attention to that mental health? Uh, very much, yeah. There's been a lot of outreach, um, a lot of increased number of counsellors, um, doctors giving out mental health uh, programs, um, and that's from a GP level, that type of thing. So it's been really good. Um, as I say, because I had the issues prior to, I kind of knew what my triggers were and what to do to dig my way out of it, etc. And most of the time that worked. Um, but yeah, people around me that didn't know those triggers or that have had places to go, people to see, you know, teleconferences to have, um, which has been good from what I've seen. I can imagine that just not being able to keep yourself busy and active and getting out, while not, not a trigger, would be turning off what for many people would be the, the coping mechanism. Um, yeah, I was lucky prior to this because I, being a dancer, I was doing up to three dance classes a week. So I had that physical activity. I had that human interaction. Um, Work-wise, it was easy enough to, if I was working from home, then those classes would be my break into society, so to speak. Um, and when that all died, I just, I flatlined, completely flatlined. 
there was, I didn't want to go anywhere when the opportunity was there. Um, I didn't want to see anybody. I had trouble seeing my neighbors and it was my neighbors that were then going, Hey, you missed this. We've noticed it. Let's, you know, talk it out, drink it out, whatever came through that day. So yeah, there were times when I missed the triggers, but luckily enough, as I say, I've had experience in knowing what my triggers are and what to do. And that's pretty cool that community was there. Even at a time when being together as community was a thing we weren't allowed to do, people are still reporting the importance of that connection and and, and how community has responded in ways like that. Very much, very much, yeah. The um, uh, My community, and I can only speak from mine, have been very good. Um, we've been fairly strict on what we call our social bubbles. Um, so it's been interesting to see how others have interacted with their bubbles as well. Um, I took a strong stance right at the beginning that if anyone wanted to break open our bubble or intrude on our bubble, I would just pull away. You know, I wasn't going to put myself at risk for the sake of having to see another face, um, which I was told was a bit selfish and overreactive and blah, blah, blah. But that was just the way I was dealing with it. Um, but then, you know, the bubble would close up again because the restrictions would become harder again. So then it became a one-on-one once again, which was fine. And then, you know, it, so it's been a complete elastic band situation where I'm out there and then I'm not, and then I'm out there again. And it's just, it'd be interesting to see what happens when they take these hard issues down and I have to get out back into society again. I'm more nervous about that, I think. About coming away from that. It, maybe that, that the certainty of the elastic banding. No, that's t- too twisted round. The, knowing, knowing that you're going to be out is perhaps more unsettling than the uncertainty of that elastic band in and out. Why would that be? I don't Correct. know. Because it's out of my control then. Exactly. So as long as I'm in control of what I have, then I'm fine. It's when there's all these other variables that I have these little instances of, oh, what do I do next? So you are in control of the music we're playing today. Let's have Kenny Rogers, If I Were a Painting. Why this one? Um, to be honest, it's played a big part in my life where uh, life was good. Life was very good at that time. Um, I was competing in ballroom dancing. I was traveling the country. I was meeting amazing people. And funnily enough, this song was the very first song that... Um, my ex-boyfriend and I danced to socially in front of a crowd. Um, We were both at a boring competition. We all had our prospective mainstream partners and um, we just hit it off and this was our very first song we danced to together.
If I were a painting Captured on canvas Alone in the portrait I'd stand In brushstrokes bold Yet soft as a whisper The work of a feminine Caught in the still life Surrounded by shadows Or lost in a background of blue If I were a painting My price would be pain And the artist would have to be you I imagine the colors would all run together If you ever allowed me to cry So don't paint the tears Just let me remember me Without you It's only the frame that holds me together Or else I'd be falling apart If I were a painting I wouldn't feel and you Wouldn't be breaking my heart. That's uh, some pretty powerful lyrics, Shane. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty representative of the time. Shane Mawira said that you're a dancer. You've been saying that you're a dancer. Did you manage to get dancing done in in lockdown? Did it, dancing online work for you? Uh, for me, no, it didn't work. I did attend some Zoom classes and that sort of thing, but it just, I needed that human interaction. Um, and so... I did, as I say, I did it once or twice in the beginning and then it just fell away. But, um, you know, I've had the odd little jig around home or up and down the driveway or, you know, a song will come on while I'm working. So I'll get up and have a little jig about, which is, you know, it's okay. And it's kind of filling a gap, but it hasn't given me fill in the whole gap yet. Is it like riding a bicycle? 
going to come back? After 27 years, yes. I suspect you might discover some muscles that you haven't been using, though. Oh, I certainly have, and my back notices the <laughs> difference, too. <laughs> and also a knitter. Um, yes. Yeah, they, um, I knitted a little prior to COVID. However, since COVID, I have been knitting up in an absolute storm. Um, beanies, scarves, juggling balls, dolls, little boys, little girls. Um, it's just it's just kept me busy. So um, my charity box is getting rather full, in fact, to the point of overflowing at this stage because I can't take them anywhere. Um, but, yeah, so it's been it's been interesting to for the, that to keep me busy. What was the what was the inspiration? You didn't learn knitting during during lockdown. You you you've picked it up or you've you've gotten more into no, it. No, um, prior to, but I it was just something I I needed something to do because I wasn't traveling to classes. I wasn't doing classes. There were I, there was all these hours in the day that I was just in the beginning going what's there all this time? You know, what do I do? I, I can't get in the car and I can't drive here. I can't go to class. And, and there was all these cars and my brain had to go, well, what can I do while I'm here? Um, and I thought, well, winter's coming. There's less fortunate out there. Let's just knitting some basic scarves. And the juices just started to flow, moving on, you know, to scrunchies and beanies and it just, yeah, carried on and on. So it was just finding that extra little challenge of what to make next. Is that going to carry on or, or is it a, a thing of its time? Um, I think in my heart it will carry on, but probably not to the same uh, capacity as what it has been but yeah I will keep it up have you had to learn like new techniques and things what's the looking at patterns and thinking I could make that thing if only I could do a left-handed I've no idea a left-handed <laughs> thingy knot one of those whatchamacallits yeah yeah, and that's pretty much what I do when I look at a pattern. I'm just like, <laughs> what? So a lot of it is just basics, but it's what you do with it. You know, you use a different yarn, you use a variegated yarn, or and it just makes the difference in a pattern. So you don't have to be able to do cables and knits and all that sort of thing. Um, I, I personally just like using a lot of colour, you know, pinks, purples, oranges, would just you know, hats made with oranges and pinks that totally clash but look amazing together. Those sorts of things is where I'm at rather than doing full cable knit jerseys and, you know. And you've had a supply of wool or have you been taking jumpers apart? Uh, no, I've been doing a lot of online shopping, <laughs> uh, looking for sales and bargains and two-for-ones and, um, I just keep buying. I don't know what it is, but it's about buying. And a friend of mine, she was just like, 
what's your storage cupboard like now? And it literally is an entire storage cupboard. And I've set it out now like a shop. So I've got all my blues together and all my pinks, but that's part of my OCD rather than the amount of wool I have. Um, so I just, I can go in and pull out a ball of this and know it's there. And when it starts to get low, I think, oh, well, I'll buy some more. And because you can't only buy one or two balls of a colour. So you, you've just got to make a hash of it. Do you have in mind any big projects? Knitting a suit or big dinosaur? Oh, no. no, definitely not. My attention span wouldn't let me do that. I like the little easy, quick hour, hour and a half type projects. That'll do me. If I could knit, I would be knitting. I've, I've seen patterns for like house knitted house plants. That, oh, that would, okay. I think that would be awesome. I went to a the National Botanic Gardens in Washington, D.C. has got lots of different ways of representing not just plants, but, you know, the insides of plants, the plant structure stuff. And quite a few of them are knitted. And I thought, wow. if I could knit, I would do something like that. Well, that's going to be my next thing is crochet. That's next on the list. Phoebe, my daughter, does lots of felting. You know, oh, stab, okay. Stab, stabbing bits of wool a lot of times. That's right. Good for aggression. Yes. <laughs> she made a... Um, She'd made me a, a bumblebee, which travelled around the world with me um, and had its photo taken in lots of different places. When we could do that sort of thing, we can't do that sort of thing anymore. But it, it was last seen in at the bus station. I know where it is. It's in the bus station in Lancaster. Well, it was. It didn't come home with me. Oh. See, the, the love has passed on then. Exactly. Someone will be appreciating it. Yeah. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mahinu ke koutou kotahu hau. Hope you're all happy stables and your beloved you. I really hope whatever's happened this journey that's proven to be illuminating for you and what who you are. A triumph of perfect, unique and here makes better. I know that for all of us, us more than me, we've had to grieve for the life. And in its play, I've had to welcome it a new way of And as much as possible, be gracious and accommodating and flexible with new ways of doing being. It's so important that we allow ourselves the time as for both of them. We allow ourselves to grieve. We acknowledge that it's there. We acknowledge our love for the life that and many people that grief just love looking. So of course, when we are feeling this pain and this grief, it's because we love, because we are creatures of love. For so many of us, that love wants somewhere to go. And we can, that love, but we can't go to this that it used to because those places, but it can go to where we are. It can go to honouring the memory of the life that we knew and loved. And it can to help us enshrine the life that surrounds us now. As we know, love is the most powerful, the most transformative of all of the innings and states that enables us to have wings, to soar above, to survey with greater clarity all the potentials that surround us. And so from these new heights of love and appreciation, I hope that we can new ways to navigate new part of ourselves. And in this time, of course, new connections, new relations are forming. So I really hope for you today, you're able to feel uplifted by love. 
the love that rounds us all, that's us all who we are. Buoyed aloft to gaze out of this vast expanse and see all the new, beautiful treasures lying wait. I know that for me, I'm so grateful, of course, that I'm able to work in the living world. And we see this constantly when one life form passes away and returns to the new life from force. We've just had some gorgeous Akahe hatch at Orokano. Of course, they're rushing around like little black fluffy tennis balls, being very, very looked after by their doting parents. And of course, for them, it's all new. This whole world is there for them to... And the same can be said for us now. We have a new... And even though we've had to leave, and even though we're feeling the grief, we can still direct our life in spaces and people. For me, being part of this show is so immensely helped as a way to direct my life. So thank you to Sam and the whole Blown Bubbles team. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Shane Salt in Melbourne. Shane, how do you go from finance to ballroom dancing and knitting? Like, to me, in my brain, those things don't go together at all. So how do you balance all of that in your life? It's quite funny that you ask that. For decades, people have said I'm an oxymoron. (laughs) I never really thought about it because it's, to me, it's just me. Um, but I like keeping my worlds separate. So finance is very restricted. You have a lot of rules. You have to report. It's a lot of, I guess, boxing a lot of rules, whereas the dancing and the knitting and the creative, I can just fly with it. I don't have to pay attention to rules. I don't have to pay attention to regulations. Things screw up, so what? You know, and that's part of more of my learning than screwing up at work. Because work you can't, well, you shouldn't screw up because you've got such a weight on your shoulders of getting the job done right to then hand on to someone else. Whereas, as I say, with the... Um, creative side it's yeah it's just being free and I like that in the hours that I'm working I'm focused I'm driven it's this is the result I have to have after work in the creative side it's just just do it if it's wrong it's wrong fix it up later and if you can't fix it move along We've, um, we've interviewed a few people lately who have talked about how important it is for us to teach our kids to make mistakes and be able to move on. Do you reckon that that's how we do it, by really pushing that creative side of life where, it, where, where those rules don't apply and where you can make mistakes? Is that the answer? I personally think that would be a good track to go down. Being that I'm not a parent myself, I don't know how to install that in a little human being that reliant on, you know, a parent. But, yeah, because being creative, it, it's like you're painting a picture. You use the wrong colour. Who cares? You know, if you're dancing and you use the wrong foot, realistically, what's the difference? As long as you don't stand or hurt anyone else, it doesn't matter. Just use that. 
the sky doesn't have to be blue. The grass doesn't have to be green. You know, it, whether you're colorblind and you do it wrong, it's not going to make any difference because you've done something that you love to do rather than you're compelled to do. That's a really good point, actually. I hadn't thought about that. If you think about someone who's colorblind and they make a picture and to them it's the colors are right, so it's only the perspective of others that makes it wrong. Gosh, that's a lot of pressure that we've put on, isn't it? A lot of pressure and judgment that other people have for our truth and what's right to us. Correct. That's Very much. yeah. That's a that's a really that's a really good point. How and how do we bring that acceptance of self and that kindness towards ourselves into spaces like in your day job where where there isn't that room for mistakes and yet we still make mistakes? How how do we how do we bring that kindness to ourselves into that space? Um. Potentially, I'm the wrong person to answer that because I'm really hard on myself in the work environment because I'm reporting to someone else. Someone else is reliant on me getting that right. Um, and I do screw up left, right and centre in some things. Um, but I think that's where me knowing from my creative side, if I screw up, I can fix it but you've got to ask for that help to fix it. Um, I swim in my brain a lot going, how do I do this? How do I do this? And I either dig the hole even deeper or I just get to a point where I am so insane in my head that the world just crashes. But I'm learning to say, hey, I screwed up. Can someone show me how to unscrew this issue? Um, and I think that's an important thing to do when we're teaching our kids, put your hand up, put your hand up, you screwed up, be accountable and just, you know, take on the knowledge around you because the knowledge will not always be there. And I'm just talking, not just talking work either, I'm talking Fano, I'm talking neighbourhoods, you know, the old fella next door that knew how to grow the biggest cherry tomatoes. Ask him, seek as much as you can. I think I've um, I've really been thinking about that a lot through lockdown is that all those people and those relationships that, you know, we're so used to just being able to go to people and all of a sudden those connections are not always there anymore. And people I've, I've observed when you go like I went into the veggie sh uh, into the plant shop the other day to get some seedlings and I was trying to talk to the person about some spray for my nectarine tree because it's the leaf's curling on my nectarine and people don't want to talk it's mm -hmm. the world has just become this really strange place and I think we're very lucky to have the internet because at least there we've we've got almost a safe way of engaging and we can Google information, but that information's not always right. And as you say, we we run the risk of losing connections to people who we can't engage with in this sort of forum. Great. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me very much appreciate the life that we used to have. I can't wait till we can have that back one day. I would like to hope we have it back one day, but I think it's going to be a very different way. Yeah. 
what's good that's come out of this? There's always um, something good, Shane. I've learned to grow vegetables. That's fantastic. <laughs> My grandfather had the green thumb of the family. Like he had the quarter acre section with the peas and the trees and the whole shebang. And then it got lost during the 70s and 80s with his children. And um, yeah, I've been really good at growing lettuce and radish and tomatoes and beetroot and celery and all the good stuff, you know. So that's been a good thing. Um, the other good thing would be learning to, I was pretty self-sufficient before, but I think I'm even more so now, which can be a bad thing. Um, but it's also a good thing. You know, you're, you're reliant on you and your instincts rather than waiting for someone else to give you the answers or someone to point you in the right direction, which I used to do a lot of. I would let someone else just spoon feed me stuff or, you know, say, you need to go and do this or what have you. So, um, which hopefully I'll be able to keep growing on once we come out. Um, Cause as I said in the beginning, I came back in February from my 50th birthday and I had it in my brain that this was going to be my yes year. I was just going to say, damn it, I'm going to say yes to everything. I don't care what happens, let's do it. And then the world had other plans for me. So um, I've been able to say yes to things around me that are doable in the situation we're in. But when we come out, it's going to be a heck of a lot more yeses. That's so good. It's been Jack's yes year too. He started intermediate this year. And his this is his yes year. And at the moment he just goes, yes, when there's a lockdown. <laughs> That's his favourite time. <laughs> well, I can't be quite as enthusiastic from this side. <laughs> but there's something in that being able to say yes, even within the constraints. So having that positive mindset of, of yeah. saying yes today we get to go to the kitchen correct <laughs> yeah um i think up till this point this year is more of a can i rather than i can't um just because of the limitations you know, there's very few people saying, come to dinner or let's go rock climbing or let's do this, blah, blah, blah. So, but yeah, I can has been up till now. Very shortly, it's going to become a yes. Let's put the second of your music choices there. Let's have There You'll Be by Faith Hill. Why this one? Um, this one has a specific soft spot in my heart because it reminds me a lot of people that have gone people that have made me who I am whether it's from great great grandparents whose lineage has come down uh grandparents that have made me who I am or how to create and mold me um it's it's more about what's gone but there's also a, a small portion of it of the people that are here now. 
you know, I, I can't see my family, but they're always here in my heart. Shane, we've seen lots of changes in society over the last, it's so scary that it's nearly two years, in the last couple of years. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? That's a tough question. That's a really tough question. (laughs) 
Um, what will stick, I think, online shopping. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm kind of hoping that the community aspect will be a lot stronger. You know, people will be rallying together. Whereas prior to this, there was so many silos of this group and that group, etc. Whereas with the injections, uh, with the hospitalizations, with the care packages, communities have come together. Um, and I'd like to hopefully think that that's one of the things that would stick, where you get to say hello to your neighbor. You know, they drop off a bag of lemons because they've got too many lemons on their tree. I, I've been in my place five years. We've had new neighbours next door for two and I've never spoken to them once. And then during this period, we've chatted over the fence, they've thrown over lemons. Those sorts of things have really made a difference and I'd like to think that that will carry on. And let's hope that, unlike not rushing around, which we will almost certainly go back to doing, that that stuff does stick. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, rest, relaxation time is definitely necessary. I was never guilty of not taking that time before, so <laughs> I didn't change too much. But it's nice to be able to just sit, breathe, think, as I say, smell the roses. Um, yeah, and I know that friends of mine found the first part of the lockdown very hard because they were go, 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 go type people. Work, home, dinners, dance parties, you name it. They were doing it the whole time. Four hours sleep was more than enough a week type thing. Um, and they found it really hard. And now they go, okay, this is not so bad. I can stay home by myself. It's not a problem. And it's been really good to see that, that they've come out the other side now knowing that it's okay to stop. This has been an enforced rest or an enforced reset for not just for individuals but for society. Do you think it's going to go back to a business as usual? Are you, are you hoping for that? Are you hoping for something else? What do you what what do you what are you seeing it going? Um, Workwise, as I say, I haven't been intruded too much, so my business as usual in that respect is business as usual. Um, business as usual in society, I think, I would like to think, as I say, it, it just takes a step back and just chills out. And, you know, you don't need to be running around, you know, buying everything in sundry and what have you. Buy what you need. You know, and you find that when you have those downtimes, you don't need as much. Although my food bill has slightly increased, but that's another story. Um, you know, I haven't needed to buy excess of clothing. I haven't had to buy a new pair of shoes just because I was going to a wedding or whatever. What I've had has been suffice. And I think that's, hopefully that will keep going as well. You know, not to put retailers out of business, 
but you don't need to have, you know, 50 pairs of shoes, 40 suits, 500 ties, all that sort of thing. It's just not necessary. Although I do need more tracksuit pants in there. <laughs> and if it doesn't suffice, you can always knit some more. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I'll try crocheting. <laughs> what lessons do you think we can take from the pandemic and the pandemic response for the bigger sorts of things that we can't solve by staying at home for for a few weeks or even if it drags out to a year. I'm thinking of things like climate change and biodiversity, social injustice. Do you think there's some messages in there for us? Um, well, as you know, we've had quite a few riots here in Melbourne. And um, I'd really like to see people have more understanding of each other um, to the point where it's it's not you do this and you're wrong, but rather why did you do this? Um, you know, and people think before they write. People think before they injure someone. Oh, I really want that, you know, and having that stop and think moment, which is, you know, a 30-second prior to having that, total chill downtime, lie on the back deck in the sun, having a drink type thing. It's still just that stop and think moment. Um, And it's the same. I, because I'm not a uh, citizen of Australia, I can't vote. So politically wise, I just have to go with the flow and take on board what I am given in that political extent but I can do small things that don't impact that, you know? Um, And it's just, yeah, just stop, think, look, listen, all those usual easy things before you do something that you know is going to hurt or interrupt someone else. I have some questions to end the show. What is the biggest success you've had? In the last couple of years? Uh, I lost 10 kilos. <laughs> That'll do. So, yeah, the first year I put 12 on and then I lost 10 this year. So that's, <laughs> that's a win-win. <laughs> we are writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? Um, I, ha- I had listened to previous podcasts, so I was kind of hoping you were going to ask me this question. So I thought about it long and hard. And I think my superpower in two words is kindness and caring. And I, I use those two words because they encompass so much. You know, you can be caring just by listening or you can be caring wiping someone's brow and the kindness follows on from that. Um, So, yeah, that would be my two top words, I guess. If you were in New Zealand, we would have had a good hashtag for you. Be kind hashtag has gotten legs. Oh, really? 
Absolutely, it's been it's been one of the things that's 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 been on the that that and the team of five million has been one of the key messages. Wow, maybe oh, well, I'm in good company. Maybe there wouldn't have been so many riots in Melbourne if that had been some of the messaging. Possibly. So, do you consider yourself to be an activist? Oh, in a word, no. That's all right. What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Apart from my cat wanting breakfast at 7am. Just uh, being an early riser, I love to see the sun come up. You know, uh, that and a shower in the morning and I'm set for the day. I'd like to have a shower in the morning because we've been swimming in the morning and they've the pools are open, but the showers aren't. And we've, Ooh, de- we've, yeah. we've decided we would really like the showers to be open again. What is the biggest challenge that you're looking forward to in the next year or two? Um, off, straight off the bat would have to be the biggest challenge is, A, getting out into society again. That will be my biggest one. Um, But in the next couple of years, the biggest challenge for me is to get home. I want to come back to New Zealand and see family and, you know, have those hugs and kisses. I've got a niece that's now four and I've seen her once in real life and that was when she was two days old. Um, You know, it's just things like that and seeing good friends, having good dinners and just spending that time with family again. And if you stick to your intention of having a yes year, who knows where you'll go? Who knows? The sky's the limit. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Just reiterating, be kind. Be kind, be patient. Um, It's easy to fly off the handle. It's easy to say harsh words in the spirit of the moment. Take that 30 seconds to stop and think. Just, yeah, be kind. Thank you for that. Mawira. Shane, um, it's, you know, there's a, there's a saying, I can't remember which TV show, I think it was a Game of Thrones, words are wind, and it's really easy to say words, not always easy to live the words you say, but you're one of those people who does. And I know that um, I how much I appreciate that about you, that you truly are a person who walks the kindness path. And so I just want to thank you for the way that you walk through life, for the beauty that you contribute to it and for your kindness and for the impact that that has on the lives of everyone around you. Keep up the good work of being you. Kilda. thanks for joining us. Sorry to keep you waiting, playmates, but I must finish this sock. I'm just turning the elbow, so amuse yourself for the minute, will you? <laughs> Won't be long now. Knit one, pearl one. Oh, curse, I've dropped a stitch, aren't I a silly girl?
Some like football, some like dance. I like knitting and the simpler arts. Half a dozen needles, an ounce or two of wool. Fills my cup of happiness, chock full. I'm a little nitwit, knitting all the day. That's how I keep dull care away. Hemstitch, lockstitch, plain and pearl. A present occupation for a good little girl. Pretty little jumpers, very high jumpers as well as very low. I've knitted jumpers for test match stumpers, never had a misfit. Oh no, knitted one for father, the colour of his eyes. Perfect style and immaculate size, filling every crevice, fitting every joint, sitting like a glove upon his M bomb point. Knit one, drop one, flip one, pop one, need a bit of work as you ever did see. Put one, take one, boil one, bake one, put it in the oven for mummy and me. I'm a little nitwit, knitting with a will. Mitts for little Aubrey, socks for Bill. Three ply cable, plain and pearl, a useful occupation for a nice little girl. Jerkins, knobby little jerkins, who says a jerkin with little twiggly bits? I can wheedle a jerkin needle as good as any nitwit. What next? Knitting is a sedative, soothing to the nerves, develops good points and graceful curves. Sit and take it easy, planning this and that. Where's my boom? We've all gone down that cat. Rip one, space one, lose one, chase one. Knit a pair of night socks for any wee tot. Mufflers, hose bags, cozies, nose bags, a comfy little cover for your hot water bot. I'm a little nitwit, knitting with a verb, getting all cockeyed, but I do not swerve. Neckband, armhole, plain and pearl, a charming occupation for a sweet little girl. You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world, brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Arthur Ashkey's Knitting Song. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, with Mwira Karatai in Fakatani, and we've been joined from Melbourne by Shane Salt. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. To drive down away. Goodbye, playmates. Knit one, turn one. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.